Welcome to The Book Podcast, where we discuss books about the book, the Bible, with your hosts, Scott Moffitt, Gabriel Penfield, and Gary Karwaski. Hello, welcome to our listeners to our 21st podcast of the book. Our mission is to interview authors about their books about the Bible. Today, we interview a writer and an editor by the name of Lorna Simcox. She, well, let me share a little bit about Lorna. She is by the, she, I should say, is her preferred pronoun, I believe, right? <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, she, <laughs> she is a graduate of the University of Vermont and the Word of Life Bible Institute. She is married to Tom, has two daughters and two granddaughters. Lorna began editing in the newspaper business back in the age of the dinosaurs. She has been the editor-in-chief of Israel My Glory magazine. I'm not sure how long, Lorna, how long has it been? Uh, I've been with the magazine 23 years, but I can't remember how long I've been wow. the editor-in-chief. And the Most magazine? Years. Most of them. And the magazine's published by the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. Lorna is a Jewish believer in Jesus Christ. The author of the book that we look at today that she's penned is called The Search. This book recounts her search for the truth about Israel's Messiah. See, we all bought it. Aren't you happy? Now, before we move on, let me remind you to subscribe to our podcast by clicking on the subscribe button, duh. And also please hit the notification bell that you find on our page so that you won't miss another one of our awesome interviews. I am your host, Scott Moffat, and I am joined by Pastor Gary Karwaski and Liberty and Word of Life student, Gabriel Penfield. Let me begin with the first question. Lorna. Yes. Why did you write this book? What was the first cause? If you will? Well, the first cause was for uh, Jewish people to be able to understand who Jesus is. You know, Jewish people don't know anything about Jesus. We just know we don't believe in him. <laughs> but we don't usually know why we don't believe in him. And we don't really know anything about him. So that was my first reason for writing. And I wanted to teach them the Bible, teach them their own scriptures, the Old Testament, because most Jewish people don't really know the Old Testament and uh, they don't really read it. The, I'm talking about the average. Obviously, there are you know Jewish people who know it probably very well, but the average person doesn't really know it. And that's why I wanted to write the book. That's really interesting because when I went to uh, Israel, we took one of those uh, cabs, what do they call them? From the airport? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I can't remember. I I but we took uh, a cab from there to uh, Jerusalem University College and I got stuck with like about, well, not stuck. I had the privilege of sitting with five or six Jewish people and I asked them if they had ever been taught about Jesus in their uh, synagogues or in their schooling. And, and every one of them said, no, never, never bothered to even cover it. Yeah. 
I never learned either. So in the opening chapter, you mentioned the mythical Sid Finch in George <laughs> Plimpton's fiction about baseball. And you also refer to a tall tale about the origin of the bathtub yes. as told by H.L. Mention. I think that's how you say, say his name in the New York Evening Mail. Would these yarns be known as fake news today? And did you agree with him about no normal human being wants to hear the truth? Well, you know, I never thought much about whether I agreed with him or not. My, my feeling is that uh, most people don't get the truth. And that's the problem because, you know, Satan is the prince and power of the air. And he's the one who is running the world system that we live in. And uh, that's why everything is such an awful mess today. Yeah. I don't think most people get the truth. And I think I was just looking for people who really want to know the truth. So um, hmm. I don't know. I never thought much about whether I agreed with him or not. I just feel truth is important. Yeah. And I wanted to tell it. So. Yep. Especially now as editor of Israel, my glory. Yes. You got to make sure the truth's truth's pretty accurate. Um, truth is, you know, people today don't think there's such a thing as truth. Yeah. That's a problem. They think that there's no such thing as absolute truth. And there is absolute truth. But that's another one. Absolutely. Lies. <laughs> oh, that's a lie from the start. It's a, yeah. there's no absolute truth. Well, are you absolutely sure about that? I mean, you know, it's <laughs> self-contradictory, you know. Yeah, that's right. How could you yeah. even know that statement's true? that there is no absolute truth if there's no absolute truth. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. And so it goes, you showed that your first um, introduction of the gospel was the guy on the TV, right? You heard him, turned it off. He actually didn't give the gospel, which was okay. interesting. Hmm. He never gave the gospel. He hmm. just, I remember I was watching and the, it, the guy who was interviewing him said, well, Jewish people are looking for their Messiah. And he said, yes. And then he's, he must have made some kind of comment that, uh, and Jesus is the Messiah they've been looking for, and they don't know it. And I got so enraged yeah. when I thought, I, it never in a million years occurred to me that Jesus was the Messiah. I had never heard that ever. And I had never, uh, I just thought Jesus was a pagan uh, idol. He was the man that the all the Gentile pagans worshipped as God, which was what made me a believer and them pagans. Hmm. And I got so mad that anyone would think that this Jesus was uh, the Messiah. I mean, how could he possibly be the Messiah? I just turned the TV off and I never heard another thing about hmm. that. But I never forgot it either. Do you think, would you say he planted a seed for your future coming to Christ? Yes, or? I do. Okay. I do, because I never forgot that. It was the first time I ever heard it, and it stuck with me. Hmm. So he did, definitely. It's amazing how God can plant seeds in the most unlikely places. When you think that uh, you might have said something wrong, and you, you wished you had, hadn't said it, you never know. That might be the very thing God uses to lead somebody else or to get them thinking about something. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, let's, let's move on to your father who said, if you, if you ever married outside of the Jewish, uh, race, uh, he would basically, you would be dead to him and you ended up marrying 
a Gentile. Um, Describe for our listeners the tension that that put into your life. Well, actually, it really didn't put any tension in because my father was dead. He and passed my mother away, yeah. was dead. So uh, the tension was all inside me. I was having a real struggle with it because I knew what my, what my upbringing had been. And I didn't know quite how I was going to be able to handle being married to someone who wasn't Jewish. I never, ever envisioned ever marrying outside of the Jewish faith. And uh, I just didn't know how that would work. At one point, I almost broke up with my fiance with, at the time. And, uh, but then, you know, it worked out and we ended up getting married, but I was the one struggling with it. Okay. Uh, he said that, or someone said to you, I think the pastor of the first church you attended said you were a completed Jew. Yes. And, oh, yes, and there was yes. there was some misunderstanding yeah. about that in I your was, mind. You didn't really know what it meant. How do you identify yourself now when you talk to people about your Jewish background? Jewish I just Jewish. tell them I'm an evangelical Christian. And if they if they ask if it if it's appropriate, I'll say I come from a Jewish background. But, you know, evangelical Christians come from all backgrounds. Absolutely. So, what did he mean by being a completed Jew? Well, I only discovered what he meant after I was already saved, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's like you've come full circle. In Romans, where it says that uh, I'm not, as Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ mm-hmm. because it's the power of God to all who believe to the Jew first. Right. And yeah. also to the Greek, the, the Gentile. And mm-hmm. that was when I finally understood what was meant by completed Jew. That it was something God had wanted for the Jewish people all along. He always wanted us to accept our Messiah. Mm. And we didn't. And once we repent and we understand who Jesus is and we accept him, everything is complete. And that was how I looked at it. Yeah. being completed. I don't call myself a completed Jew because in a way, if I were to say that to someone Jewish, that person would probably have the same reaction I did. Yeah. It's almost yeah. insulting. Yeah, you're yeah. Offended. Yeah. You know, it's not yeah. a good term. Yeah. In mm-hmm. my opinion. Yeah. Got to be especially, especially careful with that. Cause I mean, in reality, if Jesus is the Messiah and Jews have been looking forward to the Messiah for thousands of years, obviously that would be the, the fulfillment of it. Right. But, Obviously, Jews nowadays don't don't quite believe they don't that. Understand it, no. so yeah. I, yeah. I don't want to say something to just make the rift worse. Yeah, right. so yeah, might be true, but may not need to be said. Um, so you talk about um, Thelma's relationship to Jesus, um, yes. and also you you talked about how, in terms of giving, praying, believing, um, and yet James' sickness made you ask important questions about your life, beliefs, and destiny. Um, you suggest that a right, right understanding of the Old Testament was crucial for how you came to believe in Jesus Christ. Um, that's awesome, right? You got to understand the Old Testament. How did the New Testament help you in understanding um, what it meant well, to believe the gospel? I had a, quite a good education. Mm-hmm. I went all the way through Hebrew high school. So I had to rectify the Old Testament with the New Testament. I believe the Old Testament. You know, a lot of Jewish people today don't. They don't believe, they don't have a Bible. They don't believe the Bible, even if they have it. They question everything. 
and uh, they think it's stories. They Even some very famous Jewish writers like Chaim Potok, he would say, ah, who knows? You know, somebody made it up. It's really a lot of fanciful stories. I believed it. I believed it was true. So I started looking through what I knew, and I had to be able to reconcile the Old Testament with the New Testament. But the New Testament became really important to me. The, the first thing that happened was uh, I had never read the New Testament. I really thought God was going to strike me dead, you know, if I did. And the first time I picked it up, I went into the Gospel of Matthew, and I didn't get anything out of that. So then, and I didn't read much because I don't think the Lord wanted me there. I was in the begats. It was like, oh, that's not oh, a good nice. time to start. Yeah. So I went. The Lord just kept directing me. I was in a hotel room and it was a Gideon Bible. And every day I say, God bless the Gideons, because that was a really big turning point. I had a lot of struggle with what had been done to the Jewish people in the name of Christ. There were so many awful things that had been done to the mm, Jewish people in sure. the name of Christ. You know, the Spanish Inquisition and pogroms and crusades. And this has turned... Judy, Jewish people away from Jesus. It's like you would say, how in the world, he's the cause of all our problems. How in the world could he be our Messiah? If he had been the Messiah, this wouldn't have happened. So I was feeling like I was a traitor to my people, mm -hmm. even yep. reading the New Testament. And I could not put aside everything that had been done to my people in the name of Christ. So I picked up the Bible in the hotel room and I started reading and the Lord just must have gotten me to John chapter 10. And I got to this and I, I read um, where Jesus says, uh, because I said, I am, you think that I'm blaspheming because I said, I am the son of God. If I do not do the works of my father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. And it was like the Lord said to me, Lorna, don't look at what people have done in my name. Look at me. Mm -hmm. And it changed everything for me. And I really believe that was the Lord speaking to me through his word. Mm -hmm. That was the first time. And the second time, uh, my friend Nancy told me, read the Gospel of John and really read it this time. This time I just, you know, was kind of picking. And But when I was really serious and I was desperate to know the truth, I got in, when I started reading, I got to John 3.16, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And it must have been the Holy Spirit because nobody told me ever to do it, but I automatically put my own name in. And I read, for God so loved Lorna. Mm -hmm. And I never, ever thought that God loved me. I mean, this isn't a tenet of Judaism mm -hmm. like it is with Christianity. Christianity, we tell people, God loves you so much. You know, he sent Jesus and died for you to right. take your sin. That all, if all you have is the Old Testament, you've got a lot of it a lot of you're reading a lot about an angry God and how yeah, you didn't do anything sure. right. And how he's always mad at you. He was like always mad at my people because mm -hmm. we never listened to him. We never did anything right. Mm -hmm. We never really appropriated any of the verses that are there where mm -hmm. Jeremiah says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Mm -hmm. We, we didn't 
ever deal with that. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't ever personal. So when I read John 3.16, that changed a lot for me as well. And I wasn't Amen. saved yet. So the New Testament was very important to me in coming to Christ. Yeah. And your friend Nancy, who's Jewish, she, be, she, she lets you know, hey, I've become a Christian. I've accepted Jesus as my Savior. I bet you flipped out on that one. Well, actually, I was already searching. Okay. And I thought when she told me that, she was one person I trusted. And it was like, wow, this is fortuitous. I can ask her questions. And I know she has no ulterior motive. She's not going to try and keep me in Judaism like I thought a rabbi would, even if it was wrong. Mm -hmm. And I knew she wasn't going to try and push me to believe in Jesus. She would just give me honest answers. And, you know, she's my very best friend, even today. We've been best friends for 60 years. Wow. And 60 (laughs) years. Since we were kids, you know, (laughs) and uh, I trusted her. And she explained the gospel very clearly. And I thought about it and I thought, well, you know, it makes sense. But it's one thing for something to make sense. And it's another thing for you to have faith. And I didn't have faith. I was processing everything at the time. This book is a biography. It tells your life and starts actually with your parents and even even their parents. And it goes through until your first marriage to James, who was instrumental in his family and you coming to know the Lord as yes. your savior. Um, I found it very interesting that it's at one point in your life, as it moves forward with James, you wondered to yourself whether or not he was really a Christian or just a do-gooder, I think is the way you put yes. it in the book. Yes. And uh, did you come to change your mind on that or? or um, I did. Or, uh, mm-hmm. I got to know this. Southern Baptist Church a little better. <laughs> and that helped. <laughs> and, uh, but the big thing that really uh, changed my mind was when I was in a deep depression because I was sick and um, I was missing my husband. And the Lord gave me, I believe it's Psalm, is it Psalm 116? Yeah, it's in the book. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the Mm -hmm. death of his saints. I was in such a state, and I know he showed me that verse. And I thought, well, he must be with you, Lord. And I just chalked it up to that, to be Mm -hmm. honest. There's nothing I can do now, one way or the other. And I just trust that the, the judge of all the earth to do right, however it is, but um, mm. I don't worry about that anymore. Now, my parents, I miss my parents, you know, they died For Jewish sure. and unsaved. So mm. that's a grief to me. Yeah. 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 You have you have a lot of humor in the book, I think, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, that I really enjoyed. Um, one of them was trying to find the Hal Lindsey book, um, <laughs> yes. The Liberation of Planet Earth. You couldn't find the book. <laughs> It's hysterical. Oh, gosh. That was some. They thought it was a. I'd go into a store like a Barnes and Noble. I thought it was some alien invasion. And they were looking in the fantasy section and in all, all the other sections. And that probably but, couldn't you know, happen. I never, knew, today. I never knew there was such a thing as a Christian bookstore. Nobody yeah. ever told me. There isn't hmm. anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's, true. that's true, too. 
Oh my goodness. The other one that's really hysterical, you have a whole chapter on it because you, you were afraid of speaking in public. And so you were in this woman's group and you talk about the red Crayola. Yes. Tell us about the red Crayola because this is just hysterical. Well, I, I'm still not the person who wants to be out there speaking, but uh, I had a really sweet uh, friend. She was older than I, and she kind of mentored me. And she really wanted me to get involved in Christian Women's Club, which was Stonecroft Ministries back then. And as soon as I came to the first uh, luncheon, they wanted me on the board and they put me in a very simple position where I wasn't going to have to uh, make any decisions or anything like that. But they were mentoring me was what they were doing. Mm. But they wanted I think Jean wanted to know how I would do in front of people. And I was terrified. And she said they what they did was in those days, Stonecroft sold these little booklets, which told you, uh, you know, your new life in Christ. And they were small, wonderful little booklets. And I was supposed to uh, make an announcement in front of 200 women about the booklets. Well, it wasn't enough that I had to stand up there. Mm -hmm. Jean thought it would be a really good idea if I looked like a Crayola crayon, (laughs) because I don't even remember why. She had a reason, but I don't remember what the reason was. And she got this big box from this place we have here in this area called Mrs. G's, where they sell stoves and refrigerators. She got a box that was, I think, a stove box. And she had it colored. It looked exactly like a Crayola crayon box. And I had to stand inside that thing with this little red point. It looked like a dunce cap, but it was supposed to be a red crayon. And I had to wear red tights. And I had to walk up in front of all these women and announce that we had these little booklets on sale. And uh, it was it was a mess, but <laughs> it got me out there. <laughs> no, I, you I still have those like that. Do you still <laughs> have the outfit? No, oh, it's too bad. I, I, believe I was doing it. My husband was so shocked. You know, he had this big job. He was like the the head of the newspaper in town and he couldn't believe I was going to do this, but you know, we do things for God that we don't normally do. (laughs) Yeah. Now all these personal stories are so great, but then like in addition to the personal stories, like you add in so many theological concepts, so many theological ideas, like how did that end up happening? How did you, when did you want to do that? Like, how did you go around doing that? Like balancing them? You know, I didn't have much of an outline for the book. I really can't take any credit for it. I was sat down at the computer and everything just came into my head. What, and I just knew what I had to put in. Um, the Lord would lead me in a certain direction and I had my Bible and I'd get it and I'd start looking things up. I knew where to go and I got the things I wanted. I wanted to teach the Bible. That to me is, was the most important aspect of the book. I wanted it to be funny because I wanted people to read it. I didn't want them to think it was dry and boring and everything else. And I love a good sense of humor and, you know, I wanted it readable, but I wanted to teach the word. I had most people, when they write a book, they've got a great big outline, 
I had <clears throat> the titles of every chapter. That was it. But I just knew in my head. And one of the things I learned from that experience is how the Lord really does direct you. You know, they talk, we talk about how the Bible is inspired and how God used men to write the word of God. I believe that completely because I know that he used me to write that book. I pick it up and I, I don't, I had to reread it uh, recently for something. And I hadn't even remembered half the stuff that was in there. And I thought, I don't even, wow, I don't even remember writing yeah. this. So do we need to add it? <laughs> you know, I knew that what the Lord, he just told me what he wanted in there. And I know to somebody who doesn't know the Lord, that might sound ridiculous, but it's not ridiculous. He, he really directed me and uh, he showed me what to do. And my goal was that Jewish people who don't get this teaching would get it in an easy to read way and they would enjoy reading it. Now, only God can help them to believe it. That's the yeah. thing. It was my job to write it, but it's the Lord's job to help them to believe it, to give them what they need, to give them the faith that they need to believe. Yeah. yeah. Knowledge is one thing. Belief is, is the next Belief step. Belief is different than knowledge. Good. Well, I Go found your experience after James' death, the profound loss and depression mm -hmm. that you went through, extremely moving and poignant. Um, yeah. How did you come out of that? Was it the word of God? Did that play the, the uh, biggest role? Was it friends? Was it uh, something else? Could you tell us how all that uh, came It really about? was the word of God. It was mm -hmm. the word of God. It was not just the word of God, but the experience that God gave me when I was lying in bed so sick and my neighbor had taken my daughter. She, Our daughter was three and a half years old. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just, I remember I was, yelling at God. And I, I had the Bible on my lap because I was trying to read my Bible and I was so torn up. And I just said, Lord, you know, are you even up there? Do you even hear me? Do you understand what I'm going through? And I'm crying. And I thought, this isn't going to do me any good, this pity party. I need to just get into the word. And the Bible was open. I had no uh, recollection of opening it to any place in particular. And I think it was Psalm, let me see, I have my Bible here. Yeah, those lament I, Psalms. Yeah, I think Great. it was Psalm 116 that I was looking at. I should have wrong off. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah, you have it here. I yes, I Psalm 116, I, three to five. I looked down at my Bible and I read, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and mm -hmm. my supplication. And it was like, whoa. You know, I, I immediately stopped crying and I started reading, and I was reading and reading, and I felt like the Lord really wanted me to keep on going. And I got to precious in the sight of the Lord, verse 15 is the death of his saints. And from that point on, I really felt the Lord was telling me, I understand and I'm here. You can count on me. I'm here. I just, 
I don't know how to explain it, except that his presence was very, very strong and very real that day. And that is, that was the beginning of a, a new chapter where I started to get better mm-hmm. and heal. And um, it was very special to me. Okay. Yeah, you also have some references to Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 41, fear thou not, for I'm with you, be not dismayed, yes. for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my right hand of my righteousness. So, so those are some great passages. Yeah. And that's the amazing thing about this book here, the word of God, is that God speaks to you through this book. It does indeed. Yep. Yep. People two things. Get yeah. Yeah. Two things stood out to me so far on the podcast. Number one, the importance of the word of God, right? That's so important going back to it for everything. And then second, you talked about first the love of God, right? And the importance of seeing the love of God. And I'm trying to think of the third thing, but those are kind of the two things, just the fact that God does love us in that way. So applicable stuff from your life that people who read the book, people who listen to the podcast can take and help them when they go through problems, help them when they go through struggles, help them when they're dealing with the death in the family and seeing that applicable, the applicable applicableness of that is absolutely awesome. Yeah. I have a question. I lived in Vermont for eight years. You grew up in Vermont and lived all the way into your adult life. And you say in the book that you never learned how to ski. How do you live in Vermont with all those ski slopes and don't learn how to ski? I'll it's like growing you. up in Hawaii and not learning how to surf. I had a father who was so afraid I was going to get hurt that he would show me everybody who smacked into a tree. <laughs> and we had this one guy who became a paraplegic because he hit a oh. tree. And oh my. my father said to me, is that how you want to end up? And he scared me so much. It didn't work on my brother, and he's a good skier. <laughs> but it worked right, on me. Let's, let's yeah. turn to your word of life experience. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead, Gary. Um. So you have a you had a relationship with Jack and Joan Wurtson. Yes. Um. Jack wanted to get you up front multiple times, and you keep <laughs> pushing him back. He says no, nah, or oh, ignoring him or something. But then you got to be close friends with Joan. Let's talk about some of that. Okay. You have any questions, or you just want me to? Joan was um, the Lord really is Joan in my life. Yeah, um, she was your mentor, right? Well, not really a mentor, but she became a friend, and the Lord, uh, the Lord really used her the most right before I came with Friends of Israel, mm-hmm. because. Uh, back in those days, Marv Rosenthal was the executive director of Friends of Israel. Right. And mm-hmm. yep. I had a, I was not really hired, but it was almost, uh, I kept, I was waiting to hear, you know, I had had an interview. I went down in May and uh, to, I came down to New Jersey to talk to him. And I had a, tentative well you know we'll see what happens let's see what happens so i hadn't heard from him and it's the end of august and graduation is coming and uh 
I decided I had been with Child Evangelism Fellowship. I was doing that's what my ministry was at Word of Life. I was doing good news clubs and all that. And I really liked CEF. It's a great ministry. It yes. gives you a wonderful way to present the gospel. You can you don't need any materials if you don't have any. You can create a, a really good method just using the word of God. And uh, so I didn't know what I was going to do. And I thought, well, it's four months training. Uh, I had been offered a position with CEF. So I thought, well, if Friends of Israel doesn't come through, then I'll go with CEF. So I their training was in Missouri. Sounds logical. Sounds right. It's always logical, but not always divine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the logical and the divine aren't always the same. Mm -hmm. um, so I had all my stuff packed up. And I was going to go, I had my daughter in school in Missouri, I had made arrangements, and I was going to be going to Warrington, Missouri, and I had everything packed up. I was living on Word of Life Island, and you know, everything was by boat when you're on the island, that you can't walk to the island. So the boat was going to come hey, by. Bless you, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> There's no bridge or anything. So uh, the, the boat was going to come by the next morning and get all my stuff. And Joan and I had become pretty good friends. And I lived in this place called Little Wheels, which it was like a little uh, three-room three motel. And um, someone lived in one room, someone else lived in the middle, and I lived on the end. And there was a porch, and I'd sit out on the porch at night. And on Wednesday nights was when Jack came by to the campfire. They always had a campfire every Wednesday night. And Jack and Joan were walking by and Joan said, Jack, you go on, I'm going to sit with Lorna. And she told me afterwards, she said, the Lord just told me, go talk to Lorna. And the key thing that she said to me, I would, she could tell that I was very upset. Uh, one of, I think, uh, one of the things that had happened was Marv Rosenthal showed up that day. Uh, he was teaching and I had lunch with him and he said, I need you now at Friends of Israel. And I said, well, you know, you should have told me a month ago, but, you know, here I was all ready to get everything to Missouri. And he said, I need you now. Well, I didn't have a school for my daughter. I didn't have a place to live in New mm -hmm. Jersey. I didn't have anything. And I could have come four months later after the CEF training, and it would have been a little bit neater for me. But, you know, God doesn't always want me. He wants you to make a decision based on faith. And Joan sat with me and she said, okay, let me ask you this. Why are you going to CEF? And I said, well, it's good training. And she said, it's good training for someday, right? I said, yeah. She said, well, why are you preparing for someday today? When Sunday comes, God will prepare you for Sunday. Mm -hmm. So she went on. She waited until Jack came back, actually, from the campfire. And he came by Little Wheels and he picked her up. And I went into my little room and I got down on my knees and I started praying. And I really asked the Lord. I said, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. I just need to know what it is. Mm -hmm. And the Lord directed me to go into Hebrews 11. And let's see if I can find the verse. Here it is. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested. Uh, no, that's not it. It was Abraham, though. 
Okay. Um, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. Mm -hmm. And he went out not knowing where he was going. going. And I said, okay, Lord, I don't know where I'm going. I know that he gave me a verse in Deuteronomy that it's the Lord, your God, who goes before you. I said, I'm going to trust you. You've called me to the Jewish people. You want me to go to friends of Israel. I don't have a place to live. I don't have a a school for my daughter. I I don't know how this is. I don't even know what's going to happen, but I'm just going to trust you. And I'm going to friends of Israel. And I called them up, told them not to pick my stuff up. And um, I was kind of nervous and I went to bed and I woke up the next morning and it was probably like the greatest day of my Mm -hmm. life. I was so excited. I knew I had made the right decision. The Lord just filled me with joy and excitement and hope. And I wasn't worried the least bit about Mm -hmm. trying to find a place to live. I just knew God would take care of it. I just knew. And uh, it was really Joan who helped me. Had she not been there, I'm not sure what would have happened. Maybe God would have found another way, but I Mm. always have felt a special place in my heart for her because of that. And we're still in touch too. Good. That's great. So those looking to make decisions nowadays, do you have any specific advice for them? (laughs) For those looking to make decisions between big stuff like that? Well, I think sometimes... You really need to just go to the word of God. Sometimes the people who will deter you and send you in the wrong direction are even your own family. Hmm. You know, I'm reminded of the story of the, well, it's the account of the prophet who was told, go give the king this message, come back a different way and don't talk to a single soul. And he got waylaid. He didn't obey. He gave the message, but then he got talking to somebody else and uh, it didn't go well for him. You know, Uh, he knew he had been told by God himself what to do. And uh, you have to do it. That's the same thing that happened to me when I decided to go to word of life. My opposition came from the most unlikely places. It came from within my church and within my family. But I, I kept remembering that prophet and how when he was told what to do, he needed to do it, not listen to anybody else. And I think it's good to get counsel. But if you know in your heart that God is telling you to do something and it doesn't contradict his word, it follows his word, clearly he's not going to tell you to do something that will cause you to be in sin. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard people say, well, you know, the Lord told me to. I'm going to be, I'm going to exaggerate here, but the Lord told me to rob the bank. You know, God's not going to tell you to rob the bank, rob a bank. But if it's whether, you know, to go to Bible school or something, if you know in your heart, this is what God is telling you to do because it's been confirmed to you, then you just have to go ahead. And then usually he'll send somebody with godly advice, but sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he wants to know whether you've got the strength to do it on your own. Mm. I don't think I had, I can't think of one person really who thought I was doing the right thing when I went up to Word of Life. Even my pastor tried to tell me I was yeah. wrong. Yeah. Well, I just realized something. Your story about Abraham and not know where he was going. 
that's why modern day Jews developed the GPS system. <laughs> you see, oh they're goodness. connected. Oh my goodness. You're in trouble for that one, buddy. I'm telling it's you. It's true. I didn't think Jews developed the GPS. I believe they did. Well, a but lot, that, of, a lot ahead, of great man. inventions come out of Israel. Um, yes. Lorna, talk to us, because I think this is part of the confirming process about how you managed to get a graduation dress. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that a great story? Yes, it is a great story. Please use your pronouns, she and yes, the yes. appropriate ones. I was in those, we're talking a long time ago. Like I graduated from Word, Word of Life 36 years ago, and that's a long time. And back then, to graduate, the women all had to wear long gowns. I had brought a long gown, but because I thought I was going to CEF training in Missouri, and I, I had to leave before graduation, I wasn't going to need my gown. And there was a girl there who didn't have much money and she needed a gown. She didn't have money to buy one. I said, here, take mine, you know. And so I gave away my gown. So when it turned out that I was going to be going with uh, Friends of Israel, I could stay for graduation and I needed a gown. Well, my daughter, who at the time was, she had just turned seven years old that month. She said, mommy, what are you going to do for a gown? And I said, we're walking. We had to go to the inn because I, I can't remember if we were meeting. I think we were meeting Jack and Jack Wurtzen at Word of Life Inn. And we were taking, we were getting ready to get on the pontoon boat to go across Scroon Lake. And she said, mommy, what are you going to do for a gown? I said, I don't know, honey, but if the Lord wants me at the graduation, he's going to get me a gown. So we get up the, we cross over, we get off the boat dock, you know, we're going up to Route 9 and down Route 9 comes this little truck with my friends in it who had been students with me. They were married students. They were, he was going to Piedmont Bible College for missionary aviation. And she is this little teeny bitty thing, like today, probably you'd say a size zero. And uh, she said, I, we, I was telling her the story. They saw me, they stopped, we were hugging. And she said, I told her, well, now I need a gown. And she said, I have a gown. And I'm thinking, oh yeah, yeah God, right. I can get into a size zero. And she said, no, no, it's not my gown. It's the gown my mom wore at my wedding. And I have no use for it. I told her I didn't want it. I told her, but she insisted I take it. And it wasn't even packed. It was lying across the flatbed. You know, the tarp was over the flatbed. It wasn't even in a suitcase. She lifts up the thing and it's the, my favorite color. It was a beautiful mauve color. It was my size. I couldn't believe it. I ended up not 10 minutes after my daughter said, what are you going to wear for a gown? The gown was on my arm and I was walking up the hill to Word of Life. Amazing. Then. The Lord provided the gown. Yeah. Good story. He is amazing. You know, I think we don't realize how yeah. great he is. Sometimes I think we pray too small. Oh, yeah. We should yeah. pray bigger things. My understanding is they used your book as a word of life uh, required reading for quite a while. Is it, still, is it still that way? The second is. years are required to read it. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's really good. Yeah, they put a new cover on it, though. Well, of course. Oh, they, different they than They put a cover. Did you see that? No, that's the old one. That's the old one. 
The new one is a picture of me when I was a reporter. In your gown? No, no. I was at the <laughs> newspaper. I was working at the Burlington Free Press, and oh. I was, you could tell by the phone. Well, why don't, so don't you show it to us, Lorna? I don't have a copy. <laughs> <laughs> so then we should I didn't, feel bad either. You know, I don't have a copy of it. And I told them at Friends of Israel, I said, you're going to put that young girl on the cover. Nobody's going to know who it is. So my husband and I were at a church recently, and they um, they said, Gee, I really like the cover. Who who's on Who is the it? cover? I had to say <laughs> that is what I looked like a long time ago. Wow. They wanted no, a question. picture of what I looked like when I got saved, and that was okay. taken within five years oh. of when I got saved. Wow. Yeah, I haven't seen that cover. I should keep an eye out for it. So question for you. Question for you. Would you still recommend Word of Life? For you men and women like okay. Well, her husband's teaching there this week, so I hope so. Uh, Absolutely. I love word of life. I think you get, you get an intense year of Bible and it's like devoting yourself to God for an entire year. You don't have to worry about mathematics or science or political science. You're just studying the word of God. It's great. You get great teachers. I had Charles Ryrie when I was there. Oh yeah. And uh, Lord. Oh my goodness! I can't even remember all the wonderful teachers I had. You, you know, Lorna, you almost went to Dallas Theological Seminary. That I was almost, like that was one of the choices that you were making. You're talking to two men here who are uh, graduates, both uh, our master's degree and our doctor's degree from Dallas. Did they take went, women then? They had education. They took women. Yeah. In yeah. education. Yeah. They wouldn't let him in the THM program, though, at that time. I would love still to be in a THM program in Dallas. Yeah. Well, yeah. you can do it online. I guess I could. But well, I, back in the day when Scott and I were there, we're talking about early 80s, so we're dating ourselves as well. I mean, our teachers were Charles Ryrie, uh, John Walvoord, oh. Dwight Pentecost. I mean, all the, the great Hendricks. The greats. Hendricks. Light, yeah. Leitner. Bob Leitner, yeah. All of them. They're all the uh, old guard was still there. It was a fantastic time. Yes. And if, in fact, uh, I consider us to be the most lucky of all because we were there at the exact right moment in time in the history of DTS. It's now changed, unfortunately. Everything changes. Well, are there any other questions, gentlemen? I'm, do- I'm thoroughly enjoying this. That's, yeah. This is a delight. It's a different, it's a change of pace. Like we, we're used to doing like theological books. This is just like personal stories. Like just how has the Bible changed your life? <laughs> and I, I love the book. Um, and I appreciate you coming on today and sharing with us. Interesting to hear yeah, that your husband's at Word of Life during this exact time. <laughs> but so we want to thank you for writing this inspiring book of faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. We know it's harder for those of your background to do, just like it would be for a Muslim or someone else. So uh, we really thank you for that. Do you have any other books in process? And do you have a website or a podcast that we can recommend to our listeners Uh, to follow you? Or is it, uh, I know you do an editorial. Yeah, uh, I wish I could say I did. I do have a book I'm working on that uh, you might be interested in. It's not my book really, but I'm I'm editing it and helping a lot with it. It's Elwood McQuaid's book. Oh, yeah. And um, it's a wonderful book. It's a it talk about, it's a personal 
uh, yeah. story about his first pastorate and how much the people in uh, Goodview, Virginia, uh, meant to him and how they helped him and his wife. And so much, he, they, they taught him so much when he was just a young guy right out of college. It's called Almost There. And it's full of fun stories and spiritual application. And I'm not sure when it's coming out, but I can let you know. We're still finishing it up. So if they want to read anything by you, they need to go to Israel My Glory. Israel, look at the very God. front of it. And then everything else in the magazine has sort of your fingerprints on it as well, I'm sure. Yes, it does. I'm hoping to be unfingerprinted soon. I'm <laughs> retiring at the end of the year. No. But I agreed to stay on for one more year to edit just the feature articles. The ones well, then you'll be free to take your THM classes and <laughs> write yeah, another book. Maybe. You never know if that's what God wants. All right. Well, we want to thank you again. And uh, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Lorna. We pray for her plans for the future, uh, retirement, and just the things that she wants to do with her and her husband. We just thank you for her testimony and her love for Christ. And we pray, Lord, for blessings upon her. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Good Anything to see else, you. guys? Yeah. No, that, that's awesome. I appreciate you coming on. I really do appreciate it. I read. Look I for read my history. husband. I, no, I read Israel, my glory cover to cover, every, you know, every, oh, I, every time. I'm so glad to hear you say that. Thank you for visiting with us. Thank you for having me. May God bless you and keep you. And Gabe, do we need to hold on or is everybody good? Good to go. See you guys next time. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank Bye. you, Lorna. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the book podcast if you liked what you heard and want to support us like follow subscribe on any podcasting platform on youtube on facebook instagram or twitter simply type in at hear the book pod at hear the book pod thank you see you next time